0: Good morning and welcome to the slightly abbreviated manna for breakfast as I'm recording this for the weekend You'll probably be picking it up on a Monday or so But we are moving on to Genesis 46 47 and 48 today Matthew 23 I'll be looking at the first 22 verses of that So we've been looking into this story of Jacob with his brothers being a type of Jesus really powerful really powerful it's one of those things you want to really study and spend some time listening to some sermons and and reading it over and over because it's so phenomenally good so we're going to be reading that now as we see his he has revealed himself to his brothers as their savior their redeemer and remember his dreams as they they were gonna they were bowing down to him and so in the first dream his brothers all bowed down to him in the second dream his father and mother and brother step bow down to him. So in the what we just read yesterday his brothers all bow down to him. Now his father's going to come down and essentially do the same thing. So let's pray and let's get into Genesis 46 this morning. Father God, thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for blessing us. We now turn our attention fully to your word and ask that you use it, Father, for our edification and our instruction in righteousness, God. and and even reproof, in Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 46, so Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also assuredly bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagon which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their possessions which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and came to Egypt, Jacob, and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, these are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt. Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Simeon, Jamuel, Jamim, Ohad, Jachin, Zoar, Shaul, the sons of a Canaanite woman, and the sons of Levi, Gershon, Koath, and Merari, the sons of Judah, Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Perez. And Hezron and Hamul. And the sons of Issachar Tola, Puvah, Iob, Shimron. And the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalel. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padam Aram. And with her daughter Dinah, all his sons and his daughters numbered thirty three. And the sons of Gad, Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Ari, Arilil, Areli, and the sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Bir- Biria, and their sister Sarah, and the sons of Biria, Heber, and Machilel, These are the sons of Zilpha, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah, and she bore to Jacob these 16 sons, the sons of Jacob's wife Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, from Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, born to him, the sons of Benjamin, Bela. Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naam, Ea, Rosh, Mufim, Hupim, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, or Rachel, whom were born to Jacob. These were 14 persons in all, and the sons of Dan, Hashim, and the sons of Naphtali, Jazil, Guni, Jezer, and Shilam, these are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel, and she bore these to Jacob. There were seven persons in all, all the people belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt. His direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons, were 66 persons in all, and the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the people of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead to Joseph to guide him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared to him, Joseph threw himself on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. But Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh, and I will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds, and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls for you and says what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock since our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, so that you may live in the land of Goshen for every shepherd's, and is an abomination to the Egyptians. Chapter 47. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brothers and, and their flocks and their herds and all that they have, have come out of the land of Canaan. Behold, They're in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They also said to Pharaoh, We have come to reside in the land, for there is no pasture for our servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let us let your servants live in the land of Goshen, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my living abroad are a 130. Few and unpleasant have been my years of my life, nor have any attained to the years of my fathers lived during the days of their living abroad. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Now, Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them property in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had ordered. And Joseph also provided his father and his brothers with all his father's households with food according to the number of their little ones. Now there was no food in the land because the famine was very severe. So that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph collected all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan in payment for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money to Pharaoh's house. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph saying, give us food for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. And Joseph said, give up your livestock and I will give you food for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys. And he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. But when that year ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord the fact that our money is all spent and the livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, that we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh?" Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was so severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he relocated them to the cities, and from one end of Egypt's border to the other, only the land of the priests. He did not buy, because the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, today I have purchased you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, that you may sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be for your own, for seed of the field, and for your food." and for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, valid to this day that Pharaoh was to have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt in Goshen, and they acquired property in it and were fruitful and became numerous. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, please, if I have found favor in your sight, place your hand under my thigh now and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. So he swore to him and Israel bowed and worshiped at the head of his bed. Chapter 48. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, behold, your father is sick. So he Took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and said, When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in his bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a multitude of peoples, and I will give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are, but your children that you have fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Paddam, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on my journey when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said to him, bring them to me please so that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from his age that he could not see. And Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed him and embraced him. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed his face to the ground, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand towards Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right, and he brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and placed it on the head of Ephraim, who was younger in his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys and may my name live on in them and the names of my father Abraham and Isaac and may they grow into multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grabbed his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. But Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, this younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall be a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers, and I will give you one portion more, than your brothers, which I took from the land of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So there you have the end of Jacob's life as he's getting ready to die, and he pronounces the blessing. You remember the blessing went to Jacob over his older brother, and that was by deception, but it was also by God's will. How God works is very strange sometimes, but God has this this theme in the Bible that he likes to use the weaker, the younger, the less fortunate or the forgotten to accomplish his purposes. He likes to do things backwards to the way the world does them. And he likes to bring honor and recognition to those who are forgotten often, those who are not recognized by the world's standards. And so here, um, jacob feels moved by god to do this very interesting and what i was noticing reading this was as he's going down to egypt he has that encounter with god and god speaks to him god had not spoken to him all those years when joseph was in egypt isn't that interesting that god never came to him by night and said don't fear jacob your son is alive your son's in egypt could have he would spoken to him about him going down to, to live outside of uh, Israel and come back and that he'd be a great nation. He gave him a lot of information. God gave him a lot of information about his future, about what was going on, but not this. He hid it from him. Why? Probably because Joseph wouldn't, Jacob would not have stayed where he was. He would have interfered with what God was doing in the development of his son to be a leader and to be the savior and Jacob needed to learn to wait on God and trust God even in the, those hurtful very difficult situations and so some of us have dealt with those kinds of things God why didn't you show me why didn't i know what was going to happen with my kids what was going to happen in this situation what was going to happen at this point in my life and then it's not till many years later that we finally get the understanding oh oh that's what you were doing and we are we find out that god had a plan all along so it's it's pretty phenomenal god works in some amazing ways and here we have the reunion of joseph with his whole family we have the completion of the prophetic dream of joseph that his fathers and his brothers would come and bow down before him that he would be leader over them this is completed prophecy from decades before and now it's coming to pass but in all this it's not a prideful thing. It's not that Joseph was there to be prideful and ruler over them. He was to be provider, savior, redeemer, selfless, doing everything he could to bless his brothers and his father. And this is the model of the savior we serve. He is a benevolent master. He is one that will do everything to provide for our needs to keep us from the spiritual starvation and, and provide for us in the best of all that he has we'll jump over now to Matthew 23 we're looking at Jesus he's in the midst of speaking with these Pharisees and uh, here's he's exposing the Pharisees and these rulers that are always trying to entrap him and trick him verse 1 says then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying that the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you do not observe, do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But They do all their deeds to be noticed by men and they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men, but do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth, your father for one is your father he who is in heaven do not be called leaders for one is your leader that is christ but the greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted verse 13 but woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from the people For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering? or the altar that sanctifies the offering. Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and every, and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Well, I should stop there. <laughs> We're stopping at verse 22. <laughs> I got carried away. Um yeah so this is this is the the great rebuke that jesus has for the religious leaders and there's no way you can read that and not think about where we are in in modern history with the religious leaders of the church we have the ultra orthodox religious ritualistic leaders who place heavy burdens upon people of works saying all of these rosaries and these um, pilgrimages and these uh, festivals and these uh, all of the different uh, things that they make up that you have to do going through the sacraments and the confessionals and all this kind of stuff. And on the other side, you have the other People that are laying burdens of guilt upon you and laying burdens of needing to tithe all your money and give everything over to them and guiding them down a blind alley. And uh, they're, they're hypocrites. They make all kinds of false promises. And this is what was going on. Different culture, different kinds of things going on, but we have the same blind religious leaders today and this is why Jesus is writing these seven letters to the seven churches and why we see it played out in church history and the different different time periods of church history that went on from the very religious orthodox to the reformed then the liberation and the getting back to the word to then going back into all of this this um, dead orthodoxy so the whole issue that Jesus is, is focusing in on to the people is, look to me, don't look to them, don't call them rabbi, don't call them father, and in fact, this actually, there is some precedence for this that it's not even necessary to call anyone pastor. Um, people do it out of, out of uh, respect, that's fine, I certainly don't need to be called pastor. We have one Father. We have one Lord, and we are all to look to Him. We're all just members of one body serving Him. And so, anytime you get somebody all kind of all focused in on a title, that's when you got to worry about that person. Worry about the person that really, really demands to be called. Doctor, you know, I'm. We're talking theologian stuff on the church. I'm doctor so and so. I'm the apostle so and so. I'm pastor so and so, and it's always pushing the title. Um, I wonder about those people, and I, I, I'm, I fear that they're falling into spiritual pride. Just be aware of that, and look for the guys that um, they're not focused in on the title, but they're just focused in on serving. Why Chuck Smith was such a wonderful example for the church, for all of us that were in Calvary Chapel. he just say, hey, man, just call me Chuck. And uh, Chuck just had a love for God, and he modeled that love for God. And that's what we want to do, all of us, no matter what our position is. So focus on that, and um, focus on helping people, serving people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Serve him. is what we read yesterday. Just keep that in the focus of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all these other things will be added. God will give you a position. God will give you a ministry. God will give you things to do um, and let him do that. But these scribes and Pharisees, man, they they were <laughs> religiously looked good on the outside, clean on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of robbery and self-indulgence. They were blind. He says, you are so blind. And what's dis- unfortunate in this Mexican culture, they have high respect. I mean, it's not unfortunate. It's, it's commendable that they have very high respect for people in a spiritual position. That is commendable. The problem is they confuse the, the outward with the inward. And they're, they're willing to equate any, anyone that looks religious on the outside as someone who must be pure and serving God on the inside. And there lies in the problem because it's easy to put on a robe, easy to put on a garment, and easy to be called father or pope or bishop or any of that, and, pe- and go, ooh, I need to really bow at this guy's feet. He's close to God. And this is, Jesus is giving us the example in the, in, the, in the Bible here. That's not the case. God, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And unfortunately, so many times, those men that are wearing the robes have dark, dark hearts. It's just a fact. So, so many of them are being arrested and thrown in jail for pedophilia, and this comes from the from the Catholics, right? And if you guys want to get that information, you go look at Church Militant online. They're exposing all of the of these priests that are just very evil, very bad. They themselves, as Catholics. Want this cleaned up? They want them out of the church, and they're they're it's a it's a plague on the church right now, and we don't have it much better in the Protestant side. There's a lot of bad churches. We got all that. On the other side, we got these guys that are milking people for money and taking advantage of girls and all kinds of bad stuff. So it's about looking at the heart. It's about looking at their fruit and what they're producing, not at the outward appearance or the titles. Enough said there. All right, let's look over. At uh, Charles Spurgeon for today, on the fifth, on this day anyway, when we're recording it. Justice satisfied. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. My own sight of the precious blood is for my comfort. That is the Lord's sight of which. Secures my safety, even when I am unable to behold it. The Lord looks at it and passes over me because of it. If I am not so much at ease as I ought to be because my faith is dim, yet I am equally safe because the Lord's eye is not dim. He sees the blood of the great sacrifice with steady gaze. What a joy this is. The Lord sees the deep inner meaning the infinite fullness of all that is meant by the death of his dear son. He sees it with restful memory of justice satisfied, with all his matchless attributes glorified. He beheld creation in its progress and said, It is very good. But what does he say of redemption in its completeness? What does he say of the obedience even unto death of his well beloved Son. None can tell his delight in Jesus, his rest in the sweet Savior, which Jesus presented when he offered himself without spot unto God. Now rest we in calm security. We have God's sacrifice and God's word to create in us a sense of perfect security. He will, he must pass over us because he. Spared not his glorious substitute. Justice joins hands with love to provide everlasting salvation for all the blood sprinkled. Wow. I really appreciate those devotionals focused on the blood of Christ because this is the thing that the modern church is always trying to get away from and is trying to get you to to see that there is a way to God without the blood. And there is not. So many of these Hollywood supposed Christians and these singers, um, modern day pop star singers, are always talking about the forgiveness and love of God and that we can all go to heaven. None of us have to come to terms with the, essentially the blood. There's no real preaching and there's no conversation in much of today's pop culture in the church, about the blood of Christ, that we need to realize we've been blood-bought, that he died for us. It was a bloody, horrible, horrific, painful death that he went through for us. And we have to come to terms with that and realize that it's that blood which cleanses us, which was brought this whole issue of the justice of God in hand with the love of God, and we now have our freedom. And we never should stop praising him and thanking him for the blood that he shed on the cross and never minimize it for a second. When people say there's many paths to God, then you have to ask them, what about Jesus? And when they say, what about? So you have to say the cross. It's by the blood that we are made clean. Nothing else. It's not by your sincerity. It's not by your own love and your own good works. None of that justifies you before God. It's by him and him alone. And yet so many people are so willing to jump onto this. A God of love will never condemn you. Well, (laughs) we condemn ourselves, surely because we reject everything that he's made provision for. So thank you, Charles Spurgeon. That is something we need to continually reflect on and glory in that we have been made clean and washed clean. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for guiding us in it and giving us such a wonderful, wonderful savior that loves us, that has received us as we see modeled in Joseph, that not only forgives us, but invites us down or in our case up into his eternal kingdom to provide for us and give us the best that he has to offer and to feed us, and to love us, and to have relationship with us, and in our case, to never die, but to always be with them for eternity. Thank you for that. Thank you for those that you are blessing and bringing into your kingdom. Thank you for what you're doing in church and how people are coming alive, and your word is going in and through them and transforming them. Thank you that you are the living word of God, and we pray that you continue to draw us and kind of build in us, God your kingdom here on earth, help us to be representative of those beautiful, beautiful things that you're describing through us in your word so that people can see us and they feel the attraction, they feel the need to come before you and receive your manna for themselves to take part of it and feed upon it and receive life and eternal life. Forgive us, God, for our rebellion. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us, God, for the, the times where we have become religious hypocrites ourselves. We desire nothing nothing else but to be your servants. So thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace and thank you for the healing touch that you are doing on all those who are now coming before you and asking for it and receiving it. In Jesus' name, amen. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much. Well, we will be back tomorrow. And if you want to join us anytime live, we're live on the nine o'clock, that's Central Time, Texas Time, here. And uh, we are on all the, well, Facebook and uh, Twitter, and we're on Twitch, and we're on Rumble, we're on Telegram. Or you can go straight to calvarypv.com and just hit watch live there. And, and we even have a radio station here on the radio too. So we will see you guys tomorrow. God bless. Bye-bye. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word.